Before I read the scripture reading this morning, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you where it is. And uh, those of you who want to look at, read along in the Bible, in the pew in front of you, it's on page 1013. It's Matthew chapter 6. I'll begin at verse 19 and go to 33. Uh, I just want to make a little short plug for uh, something I saw this morning that was a real blessing to me. And I don't have the names and all that about it, but there's a girl that sang, a blind girl that sang Amazing Grace, I think yesterday at one of the inauguration deals. And if you want to be blessed and and, uh, get the chills, look that up on the internet. I'm not sure of her name, but you you can find it. So, verse 19 of chapter 6 of Matthew. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. So do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. trouble every week, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> his, his normal definitely isn't working for him. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, as we've been sharing through this series, 
our, our world and our culture's normal isn't working either. And, and if we're honest, a lot of us in our personal lives, our normal isn't really working that well either. And there's some, some things that we can work into our lives, some spiritual disciplines, we're calling them, that uh, can help us uh, better live out the, the ways, the teachings of Christ. And these are things that, that we see him either teaching about or even more so modeling in his own life and the way that he lived. As we read the gospel accounts, we can see certain defining things about Jesus and the way he lived and, uh, and what, he, what he did. And he was one of those guys where what he preached was backed up in the way he lived his life and the way he treated others. And so we've been kind of walking through this series believing that, that Jesus' ways are truly better ways. And that if we can incorporate some of these spiritual disciplines into our lives, not only will we get better at being a Christian, at being a follower of Christ, but we can actually just get better, period. Because we believe that Jesus' ways are better ways, better for our society, better for us as individuals. These are not things that just, uh, you know, God created on a whim. Uh, it would make me happy if they were, uh, you know, if they did this. And so we'll just make this rule up on a whim. No, he, he designed us. He created us. That's what we believe as Christians. And, and we believe then that the law that he set forward, the rules of, or the way of life that he set forward, uh, was what was best for us. And when we don't live in that way, when we live in ways that are kind of counter to the way that he wanted us to live. When we decide we want to do it our way, or culture's way, then, then the Bible calls that sin. And, uh, and so that way, the sinful way, is not good for society, not good for human beings, not good for you and your life and your family. And that's what we believe. And so that's why this series is called Better. And we've been looking at several outward disciplines through the course of this series. And, and today is, is another one of those. And we dive into something called Simplicity. There's not much simple about our world <laughs> these days. There's, uh, there's far too little fishing, and there's far too much other stuff going on. You know what? Uh, someone brought up to me that uh, the old show, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank now that I brought it up, of course. Uh, what's the, the show with the, with the whole family lived in the house together? Starts with a W. Waltons, thank you. I had the W, and then I was just gone. Uh, but, you know, Grandpa would just be out there on the pond all the time, just fishing, taking it easy. You know, there was, it, it, was, it was a picture of a simple life. You know, Mayberry, all those shows. Uh, you know, it was just a, a simpler day and time, at least our, our ideal of it was. And in so many ways, our life is anything but simple. And even when you walk into our house, it's pretty complicated. And, and so there's actually a... A movement of sorts in our, it's not anything new, but it's kind of new to America in some ways. It's gaining in popularity. It's called minimalism. Have you heard of this? Uh, some of you may have seen documentaries on it or whatever it's been on. I think they've had it on Netflix and things like that. This documentary called Minimalism that kind of documents these two popular minimalists. And, uh, and they go around and they interview people and talk about uh, just a different lifestyle. And this, I'm going to show you just a trailer from it because I, I just thought it was kind of interesting to, they, in the process of talking about their concept of minimalism, they do a pretty good job, I think, of describing the problem that we have. I don't think that their solution 
is, is the Jesus solution. Uh, in fact, I would, I would be surprised if any of the people that, that talk or that they interview in this video um, c- could give a rip about Christ. They might, some of them, I don't know. I don't know them personally, but this is not at all a, a Christian video or a Christian, but they, but they definitely take a, a strong look at our culture and point out some things that maybe you've noticed as well and uh, you might shake your head about as well. And, and the solution that they've come up with is called minimalism. And, and uh, So just watch the video for a second and we'll talk some more. We spend so much time on the hunt, but nothing ever quite does it for us. And we get so wrapped up in the hunt that it kind of makes us miserable. Black Friday shopping mania is still playing out tonight at malls across America. High hopes of saving some big bucks on those holiday gifts. In some cases, it did turn violent. We've, as a culture, have lost our minds. There's no question that what it means to have achieved the American dream has increased tremendously in material terms. This is not something that just happened yesterday. This is something that has been sold to us over the past hundred years by those that want to make a whole lot of money. Now that's what I call a good-looking car. You have this thing that you were obsessed about, but then the new version comes out, and now you no longer care about the one you have. In fact, the one you have is a source of dissatisfaction. People are beginning to recognize that they have maybe been tricked. There is no out until you become aware. You're not going to get happier by consuming more. Ready? I was born ready. There's nothing wrong with consumption. The problem is compulsory consumption. We're tired of it. We're tired of acquiring things because that's what we're supposed to do. When I heard about minimalism, it wasn't about just getting rid of my stuff. It was about taking control of my life and stop being told what to do and actually deciding what I wanted to do. When I first started reducing the number of things in my life, I found out that I had 51 things in the entire world. We've probably sold or donated at least 90% of our stuff. As I started to move that stuff out, I was able to finally realize what I had sacrificed. I don't know what the most common three words are in American homes. I don't know if it's, I love you, or if it's, I want that. This same thing that's not making us happy is also causing the degradation of our habitat. We're going to have to give up a lot. The secret is that a lot of that we're not actually going to miss. What I found with minimalism is it's a way of saying, let's stop the madness. When you recognize that this life is yours, and that it is your one and only, and when that seeps directly in your bones, and you recognize that this is it, everything changes. I imagine different ones of us have different reactions to that, and probably some of us think, Wow, what a bunch of nuts, you know? <laughs> what a bunch of crazy people. And then, but then others of us think, wow, that's, that would be so cool just to have just a handful of things, you know, 59 items in the world or whatever that, that he owned. And, uh, you know, most of us probably fall somewhere in between of, well, you know, that's a, that's a nice something to shoot for, you know, less stuff, less, um, less to worry about, but, uh, but that's a little extreme. You know, I, again, not the not the Jesus way. Not motivated from a from a, a Jesus way of thinking. You heard him say things like, "I wanted to have control of my life and not have other stuff have control of my." No one can tell me what to do. And none of those attitudes are of Christ. 
And uh, so that was not a, not, this is not what the message is about, or, the, or it would have been called the uh, spiritual discipline of minimalism. But uh, that's not a, a spiritual discipline. It's just the spiritual discipline of simplicity. So let's, we're going to talk about what that looks like, or what it looked like for Jesus, and, and what he taught us about it. But, you know, just think for a moment in your own life, what your relationship to stuff. You know, because most of us, we've got more stuff than we know what to do with. If we're honest. And, and a lot of us, we either, you know, we either live in a home that's pretty put together, and, and we spend a lot of our time putting it together, right? We, there's lots of time organizing, lots of time maintaining, lots of time, you know, everywhere, you know, every, we train ourselves. Everywhere I go, I've got to put things away. I've got to, you know, it's a, it's a constant battle to keep it all tucked away and looking nice. Uh, or just to maintain it all, you know, and everything you buy, you know, it has to be either dusted or oiled or, you know, whatever the case may be. It's just the more stuff you have, the more you have to spend working on it, keeping it, maintaining it, so forth. Now, others of us, you know, we just kind of let it go, <laughs> you know, and uh, we've got a little stuff here, a little stuff there, you know, we'll, as long as we can walk from our bed to the kitchen, <laughs> you know, we're good. And, uh, but, you know, even that, even if you don't spend the time to maintain and, and keep it organized and all that, uh, I don't know, a couple of you shared articles just yesterday about how clutter leads to depression. Like, they've scientifically studied this and said, you know, having that stuff everywhere literally affects you, you know, and, and how you feel and, and what you're able to accomplish in a day. And, I mean, all of that is affected by just having all this stuff around us. Now, we live in a world where stuff is just about unavoidable. We give each other stuff. It's just kind of a cultural norm. Uh, there's, you know, the Dollar Tree. You can pick up all kinds of stuff for a dollar. <laughs> you know, there's, it's just, we have an abundance of stuff. They give you stuff for free, you know, places you go. There's just... Here you go. And, and so you, it's a constant battle with, with stuff. And if we're not careful, stuff can have a negative influence on our life. It can either become a burden that's constantly weighing on you, or uh, something that does cause depression and things like that, or it can be something uh, where, that turns into greed, where you want to keep all that stuff, and, it's, and you want more of it. And, you, and so it's, there's a lot of things, and I don't know, you know, each of us, we have a different relationship to our stuff, but, but we can all, if we're honest, point out some things that aren't that healthy about it in our life. And so we want to look for a better way. We want to look to see what Jesus taught, what he did, and what, what is this spiritual discipline of simplicity. And we read a passage today that talked a lot about not worrying about stuff. You know, and Jesus said, don't, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about the stuff, you know, the material things. You can't serve God in money. Don't, you know, lots of really wise statements about you know, just take a deep breath. If God takes care of nature, He's going to take care of you. Um, he said also that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And He states this as a fact. Just matter of fact. This was not a, a teaching or an instruction. This was just a, like an observation that He made. That wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now all this teaching that he did is grouped into a, a group of teaching that, that is called and known as the Sermon on the Mount. And just before this, 
he talked about three acts of righteousness, he called them. And, and some of those were spiritual disciplines that we looked at last time, like prayer and fasting. When we talked about inward disciplines, we talked about those. But I, and the other one was generosity. And he talked about these three things and leading right up to this teaching. And I think it's notable that they're next door to each other. Because they, they strike kind of a common theme. It, it's through giving, through generosity, through giving to the poor and those in need, uh, that we learn to consider others' needs before our own, and to let go of what we think of as ours. It's through prayer that Jesus taught about, uh, that God can become more important to us than us or our stuff, etc. And it's through fasting that we're reminded that we need God more than anything. We need God more than even our most basic necessities. That's what fasting reminds us of. And so we have all these things that Jesus just taught about. And then he dives into this conversation about not worrying about stuff, not trying to accumulate stuff, but rather looking to heaven and, and that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we might could sum all this up. See, see minimalism and things like that, that, it's just kind of another form of legalism. Of You can only have this much stuff. Here's your cap. And so if you start getting too much stuff, you need to throw some more away or give it away or whatever you got to do. And, and stay under you know, whatever your lid is. A hundred items in the world or whatever you want yours to be. And you got to keep it. Small And there's lots of rules about what you can keep and what you can't keep and if you want to do it right. But with Jesus, it seems that simplicity is not about how much you accumulate, but where you accumulate it. And if you're, if you're like me and, and got a blank side on one of your sides of your note card today, you may just want to write that down on the blank side. And, uh, and just, it's not about how much you accumulate but where you accumulate it. Jesus didn't make a bunch of rules about uh, not storing things up here or how many things you can store up here. He just said, don't worry about that stuff. Instead, worry about how much you're accumulating in heaven because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a location thing, not a amount thing or a how much thing. And so Jesus really changes the conversation in a way that the secular world could never change it. Because he's talking about storing things up in God's kingdom. In his kingdom. Not in this world where things are are so temporary. Jesus once told a parable uh, to a young man who came and wanted Jesus basically to to tell him uh, that that it was okay for him to, to want more uh, to want his fair share, or really more than his fair share. His, his brother, he felt, was getting more than his fair share of the inheritance. And he wanted his part of the inheritance, and maybe then some. And he was hoping Jesus would take his side. And, uh, and Jesus said, you know, beware. Beware of wanting more, more, more. He said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He told this man this that again it's not about how much you can possess a, a man's life consists of more than that and so he told this parable to the young man to, to try and drive the point home he said there was once a rich man who had a lot of crops 
And one year he had just, you know, it yielded a ton. I don't, the weather was just right. Everything cooperated. The soil was great. And really just an abundant crop that year. I mean, just, you know, seven times, ten times what he was expecting. And so he gathered it all in. He said, well, what should I do with all this stuff? I, I mean, I've got so much. He said, I know I'll build some more barns to keep it all in. And I'll be set for life. And I can just sit back and enjoy the easy life from here on out. And, uh, and it's going to be great. This is awesome. I've got all this stuff. I've accumulated all this wealth. And in the story, God speaks to the man and says, You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus followed that by saying, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Again, making the issue about where, rather than how much. He says, don't worry about how much you can store up here. Focus on where you're storing stuff up. Because the stuff here is temporary. And, and your father, you know, he has this really cool vault in his kingdom that is, is really secure. You know, you can, you can try, try to check out the, the safety deposit box thing or, or whatever you think is the most secure thing this world has to offer. Well, it's not. And in the end, you're going to lose it all anyway. So why not store it up in a place where you won't lose it? And so it's, for Jesus, simplicity, it's not about the how much thing, it's about the where thing. And of course, as we've been saying, you know, Jesus and his apostles, they never taught something and then didn't live it out themselves. You know, they always lived out what they said. And when you read the gospel accounts in particular, I mean, wow, the life that they lived while they were doing ministry, while they were traveling during that season of traveling from place to place. And many of the apostles ended up living that out the whole rest of their life in so many ways. But for that span of time, they left behind homes, families. They left behind businesses, careers. They followed him around with nothing except the clothes on their back, more or less. Whatever they got was freely given, if needed. I mean, when you look at, there's all these times where they're like walking down the road and they're having to take raw grain out of someone's field that's fallen by the wayside or whatever and just to have a snack as they go. They, there's the time where he feeds the 5,000 and he has to borrow food from a little boy, right? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why didn't the disciples have a loaf and a fish or something? No, they had nothing. And they borrowed it from a boy to feed the whole crowd. Uh, the way that they lived, you know, and a, a guy came to follow Jesus, and Jesus says, now you know I've got no place to lay my head, right? I, I don't have a nice home. This isn't a ritzy thing here. If you're going to come follow me, this is, we're a pretty bare bones operation. Now, Jesus didn't say that all believers, everyone who would follow him, must live the same life. Must leave homes and families behind and, and everything except the clothes on their back and traipse around on dirt roads. That was not the prescription. But he did teach us to, like him and his disciples, not be so caught up with worrying about stuff. With about, even, even the needs we can get... You know, oh well, we—I mean, we we panic, right? When the when the milk starts to run low in the refrigerator, you know, even though we can walk, drive down to the grocery store and get it, but it's like, oh my goodness, you know, I panic when the, we're getting low on ice cream. The other day, 
we ran out of ice cream completely. I can't remember the last time that's happened. It was a shocking moment. <laughs> we quickly corrected it. But, you know, we, we panic about little things like that. And Jesus says, don't worry about even the big things. Worry about where you're storing up your treasure. Worry not about how much you can accumulate and hang on to and possess, but how much you can give away in a sense. Let's talk about then this a little more as we kind of think about how we can apply this in our life. And I was kind of thinking of it in terms of of a posture, like with with what you do with your hands when it comes to stuff. You know, you can hold it, you can grab it, you can cling to it, you you can have this posture with clenched fists and I'm not going to let go of it, I'm going to keep it all, I've got to keep it all, I've got to make sure I have enough for me. Or you can have an open-handed posture that receives what God gives you, but you don't feel like you have to clinch it because God's always given you enough. And if someone else needs it, that's okay. They can have some as well. And it's just the difference between a, <laughs> this posture and an open-handed posture. And Jesus definitely lived that out. And so what I want to do is we kind of as we kind of work our way through this, is actually share seven really quick things, three attitudes and and four tips. So three attitudes and kind of four practical tips. As you think about, and you'll think of others, this is not a comprehensive list. If we had a comprehensive list, we would have been here all day. Some of you are shocked to hear the number seven, but I figure seven is holy. So uh, in the Bible, that's that's a holy number. So we definitely need all the help we can get if we're going to lead simpler lives. So let's talk about Three attitudes that would help us, like Jesus said, to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness so that all these other things can be added as well. That will help us live with this in mind, that simplicity is not so much about how much you accumulate, but where you accumulate it. So the first three attitudes of simplicity. One, to receive things as a gift from God. Not in the sense of Oh, God gave me this, I'm going to treasure it forever. <laughs> but, but just that, uh, to take away the notion of, I, I earned this with the power of my own hands and with my own brains and, with, and it's mine and no one else can have it because it's mine. I got it. It's me. I deserve it. And our cult- culture tells us that all the time. That, you know, what's yours is yours and what's mine is mine and, and you, you earned it and you deserve more and more and, you, and just because you're you, you deserve it all. You deserve the best. And every advertiser will tell you that because they want you to feel like you deserve their product and you need their product and so forth. But instead, anything that we receive, anything that we get, anything that we are blessed to have, we receive it as a gift. And then that hopefully can help us with the other attitudes. Like the second one of leaving the protection of those possessions to God. And kind of recognizing that, look, God gave it to me. God can take it away. He can do what He likes with it. I'm not going to worry about, you know, making, try, like, as if I could secure it all, right? We try real hard sometimes. And now this, this attitude is not to say, well, I'll just, you know, leave my purse in the front seat and leave the door unlocked all the time. It's not, this isn't about being stupid. It's just about being, it's an attitude that says, 
Instead of me saying, I'm going I'm to protect it all, I'm going to defend it all, nobody can pry it out of my hands, uh, you know, I've got a shotgun that says otherwise, you know, or whatever. Just having an attitude that says, you know, if it's gone, if it's taken away, that's all right. You know, I'm, I'm leaving the protection of, the, of all my possessions and all the things that I need to God. And, and He's never let me down in the past. And even if I lose this, I believe He's going to take care of me. Um, but So I'm just going to lay it in His hands. And then lastly, an attitude that, that makes your goods available to others. And again, we're not talking about, you know, go to Walmart and then come back and just leave your trunk open. Free groceries. You know, uh, it's, it's not about that. This is about just being quick to give when you need to give. About being ready to, of making your goods available to others. In fact, Martin Luther was quoted as saying, if, if your goods are not available to help others, then they're stolen goods. <laughs> you know, if, they're, if they're not available to help those in need in our community and in our church family, then, uh, then they're stolen goods. That God gives these things, not so that we can amass and accumulate and keep things for ourselves, but that, so we can be a blessing. Just as everything Christ had. He had open hands, right? And they were available. If he could be a blessing with that to someone, then he was. So those are three attitudes of simplicity. Let's talk about four tips, and you could think of a lot more. And so, you know, as you're thinking about what you'd like to do to actually apply this in your life this week, you know, you may think of your own thing you want to write down, and that's great. Uh, But here's a few tips. Try to get in the habit of buying things for their usefulness rather than their status. And try to get there as early as you can in life. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I remember like high school age and, and even into college somewhat, you know, it was really, you know, there were, you know, you wanted this kind of car and you wanted this kind of, well, you know, we barely had phones going on, but, you know, nowadays it's this kind of phone, you know, or that kind of, uh, there's, there are things that are status symbols. You know, this brand of jeans, this whatever, uh, that, that seems so important to us in certain seasons of life especially. But the faster you can get to the place where, you know what, what I'd really like is a functional car that runs. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and something that will get me from point A to point B and get done what I need to get done. And uh, if, you know, if it looks nice, great. Uh, but if it's not the greatest status symbol ever, so be it. Um, I just need something that's, that's functional for me. And, and the same with, you know, whether it's clothes or, or whatever. Beware of things that are status symbols. And try to, try to stick with the things that actually serve a purpose, that, for, that have a usefulness. A- another tip would be to just get in the habit of giving things away. And many of you, I can testify from experience, already are in the habit of giving things away. And that is awesome. But whether it's, you know, this may be, some, we're, right now we're going through like a decluttering process at our home. And it's, it's been nice. We're getting to the part where it's nice. You know, it's not nice maybe at first while you're doing it, but it's getting to the point where, oh yeah, this feels good. We don't have as much, you know, laying around and that kind of thing. We've given a lot away, uh, either to people that we know that needed it, or, or to uh, just places that can use it for a good cause and, and things like that. So, you know, think about that in your life. Maybe there's some decluttering that needs to happen in your life. Well, be generous. Give to those who don't have as much. Give 
to organizations that are trying to do something good and, and your gift can help them accomplish that. Uh, we know of several from just our interactions in the community, don't we? I mean, Grace Place, Project 41, um, just down the road from us, First West has a thrift store. Of course, there's Salvation Army and places like that. So even if you don't know an individual who might need that thing, we know ministries that can need those things and use those things for good. So be in the habit of that. And not just our stuff, but our finances as well. And uh, it's just appropriate, given that this week that we mentioned Faith Promise coming up next weekend. And, and that's one of, those, one of those times of the year where every year when it comes around, our church family practices this discipline, this <laughs> habit of being free to give things away, to be generous, to, to step out in faith even, in, in our generosity. And not just to always give what seems reasonable, but even to give more than what seems reasonable. And for folks who call this their church home, and for the leaders of this church, we believe in in giving the first part of our money, kind of a tithe is the biblical principle of 10%, but we give first to to our church, because we know that there'd be no ministries like Faith Promise or anything else if, if we don't keep the ministries of our church going. And so we give to that first, and then above and beyond that, we give to things like Faith Promise, uh, children and youth ministry, and, and you know the building fund, different things that people give to. Uh, but the biggest one each year is Faith Promise. And that Faith Promise giving goes to missional works here in our community and, and around the world, literally, as we support missionaries and other missional projects all over the place. And so it's a blessing to be a part of it, and we're looking forward to it next week, and that's just another way that we can practice that habit of giving things away. Another tip for simplicity would be to learn to enjoy things without owning them. You know, a lot of times we feel like we've got to, hey, you know, I, we really like going to the beach, so let's buy a beach house or a condo or something, you know, so we can go whenever we want because we want to be able to control the beach, not just visit the beach, right? We want to have our own little spot and, and make sure no one else can get it if we're wanting to go. I, I run into that. I used to have this dream that I would retire someday and uh, that dream's mostly gone. But <laughs> that someday I would retire and that when I did I wanted like a little mountain home, you know, in the mountains that, for the summers, you know, where you can just go and cool off and enjoy the mountain majesty and that dream has mostly faded away as well as I've had some wise people say, why don't you just rent something for a couple of months? Why do you want to own it? Why do you want to pay the property taxes and do all the upkeep and all the you know, that goes with owning stuff? Just learn to enjoy things without having to own it all, you know? Uh, and so that would be another piece of advice, another tip. Uh, you know, if you need a nice car for the weekend, rent a nice car for the weekend. If you if you need to uh, watch, if you'd like to watch a movie, rent the movie instead of feeling like you have to possess all the movies. <laughs> you know, uh, you go to the library and take advantage of all the stuff they have there just to loan and for you to enjoy without feeling like you have to possess it all forevermore. And and the last tip is avoid buying things that require you to accumulate debt. And a pretty good rule of thumb would be if, uh, if you can't afford it, you probably don't need it. <laughs> you should probably save a little while until you can. And I know that there's exceptions to every rule and, and that there's situations you get yourself into and, and there's stuff you don't get yourself into but it just happens to you and there's medical debt and things like that that are kind of its own thing. And, uh, and 
if you listen much to Dave Ramsey, he has a lot of good advice about debt. You probably won't agree with everything that he has to say. I don't agree with everything he has to say either, but I think it's pretty wise to say that in our society, as a general rule of thumb, the only debt that we should accumulate is in the form of a house. And even that should be done responsibly and carefully. But otherwise, uh, you know, if you can't afford that car that you think you need, uh, then you may need to buy a f- car that you can't afford until you can afford the car that you, that you want, etc. Just a good way of practicing this thing of simplicity. Not to start accumulating things that we can't afford. Alright, so simplicity is not about how much. This is not a, a rules game or a, you know, this is not minimalism. This is, this is about, it's a heart thing. It's an attitude thing. It's a, it's a posture thing where we, instead of doing what the world does, of, you know, this is my, even the minimalists do, these are my 59 things, you know, <laughs> that, that I've gotten everything down to. But no, but just an open-handedness like Christ lived with. And Christ was, of course, the ultimate example of this. Not even clinging to his own life. But, but even giving that as a ransom for all of us. To reconcile us to God. To bring us back to a right relationship. To bring forgiveness for sins, etc. And so, we follow him. And we follow his example. And we take his teaching to heart. And we ask for his help in this because we live in a culture where this is the opposite of simplicity. It's more like multiplicity, right? And so we've got to be intentional about this one. And it's going to take some prayer. And it's going to take some figuring things out because we do live in a culture that's so different than the one that Jesus lived in. And yet, we would be mistaken to think that the same truths that he taught in his day were not applicable to us and when we look at our lives if we're honest the stuff is not good it's not (laughs) the overabundance of stuff can be a burden can be something that prevents us from doing good from spending our time where it should be spent it can be something that can even be a source of depression Etc. And so we want to guard against it. And we want to focus on living the life, the kind of life that Jesus taught us to live. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus, for his example. We thank you for his different way of life. We thank you for the cross. We admit, God, that the world's stuff is very attractive. A lot of times we fall into the trap of thinking that we need things that we don't even need. That we have to have things that we don't have to have. That we have to hold on to things that we could give away. So Holy Spirit, we ask that the things of this world would fade to the background in comparison to what we have in you we ask God that your, that your Holy Spirit would teach us to live a different way to not focus on how much we can possess but rather on focusing on where we're storing up our treasure we pray it in Jesus name
Amen.